Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and I welcome you to join me each week as I turn to Scripture looking for guidance and hope as we live through difficult times. All of us need spiritual guidance, and there's no better place to find it than in the timeless words of the Bible. I've found Scripture to be enlightening and comforting to me in my own life. I hope you will, too. Today, I'm going to begin with a passage from the prophet Micah, who was called to tell Israel what God required of them. His words apply to us in 20th century America, just as they did to ancient Israel. Micah 6, 8. The Lord has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. What does the Lord require of us? That's an important question for each of us to ask. It's an important question for us to ask on a personal level. How should I conduct my life? It's also an important question for us to ask as citizens of America. How do I envision what God expects of our nation and its destiny so that I can vote and express my opinions based on that guidance? This is a legitimate question to ask for those of us who envision America as a country that locates its identity under God, in the words of the Pledge of Allegiance. The prophet Micah told the people of Israel exactly what God required, to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Pretty simple. Micah was speaking to the people as a whole, But what he said applied to individuals as well. He spoke in dangerous times when hostile powers threatened Israel constantly. It was also a time of religious and political corruption when justice, kindness, and humility were hard to come by. Micah spoke words of warning. Live this way or be ready to suffer the consequences. Unfortunately, his warnings went unheeded and the consequences were dire. In the past, Israel thought that what God required were religious rituals and sacrifices that were performed mainly in the Jerusalem temple. They had developed a system of strict religious laws that the people were to follow. Micah saw that something deeper was needed, a change of heart. Without a change of heart, Micah saw that all of their religious acts were useless and even hypocritical. Micah was saying that this is what God really requires of you. These words of warning apply directly to us. We hear people crying out for justice today. People not acting kindly toward one another. In a culture where ego, self-promotion, and a quest for power and celebrity are valued over humility. We are dealing with the dire consequences, political unrest, global conflict, an out-of-control pandemic, and a sense of anxiety and fear for the future. So let's look at Micah's positive qualities of justice, kindness, and humility and see how we can apply them in our lives 
and to our nation. They can be a source of hope and good news for us because we are in control of our destiny if we can have a change of heart. Do justice. If you want a lesson on what it looks like to do justice, look no further than little kids. Kids are fixated on justice. Well, they call it fairness. Think of how often you have heard a child protest, that's not fair, whether it is or not. When I was little, there was a ritual that I went through with my sister that showed our commitment to fairness. Now, treats weren't available in unlimited supply as they are to so many kids today. And my sister and I were often required to share a bottle of pop. And I can remember us getting down at counter level in the kitchen as mom meted out the strawberry pop into two identical glasses. Now, often we tried her patience as we made her pour a few drops from one glass to the other and back to make sure that we each received exactly the same amount. It wouldn't be fair for one of us to get more than the other. Now, admittedly, this is a simplistic and trivial example. It shows, however, that a concern for justice and fairness is bred into us. It comes naturally. Human beings have a sense of justice wired in. Sometimes we obey that sense, sometimes we don't, but it's there. On another level, justice is built into the fabric of our nation, in our society. The role of justice in our nation is established in the first line of the preamble to the U.S. Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Justice is right up front. And our pledge of allegiance to the American flag ends with liberty, and you guessed it, justice for all. You will often see a visible symbol of justice adorning courthouses and other public buildings. Lady Justice, as she is represented in statues and pictures, wears a blindfold, and holds a balance scale in one hand and a sword in the other. Justice is blind. It treats everyone equally, without discriminating according to race, national origin, age, gender, economic status, or any of the other criteria by which we sort ourselves out in society. On her scale, justice weighs the claim of one person or group against the other, and justice provides a means of enforcement, sometimes resorting to coercive power or punishment, represented by her sword. Justice works two ways. It's reciprocal. It stands in favor of aggrieved parties, assuring that when the scale tips in another's favor, a remedy is applied that brings the scale back into balance. If my neighbor erects a building or a fence that extends over my property line, I can take legal action to correct the situation. Now, in this case, justice serves my interest. If, on the other hand, I try to renege on paying for something that I purchased from a business owner, 
they can come after me for restitution. In that case, the justice system acts to make me behave fairly and lawfully. The sword of justice cuts both ways. As you can readily see, a justice system which enacts and enforces laws and regulations is necessary for the functioning of a society and an economy. A sense of justice is also important, though, in our personal human relationships. If we constantly take advantage of our family or friends, our relationships break down. We need to treat others fairly, even when the law isn't involved. Justice is vital for everyone, for our happiness and our sociability. It was important for my sister and me. Today, we are hearing an outcry for racial justice in America. Many black Americans, supported by many white Americans, do not believe that blacks are being treated justly. They cite, cite the tragic deaths of black men and women by police, disproportionate rates of incarceration for people of color, and disparities in economic and educational opportunities as a sign that the constitutional promise of liberty and justice for all has not been realized. This has led to both peaceful and violent protests on the streets. Something must be done, the protesters assert, in order to bring the scales of justice back into balance. But the quest for justice is never an easy one because there are perceived winners and losers. Poor whites in America feel that they are being discriminated against through affirmative action programs and economic assistance to which they don't have access. Instead of seeing themselves as beneficiaries of white privilege, they see their way of life and their culture being threatened and their rights ignored due to a painful and unfortunate history of slavery in which they played no part. It will take a robust and fair legal system in order to sort out these competing rights and establish true, true justice. But as Micah saw, it will also take a change of heart in all of us. And I think we're learning that. Love kindness. Although essential for people to live together, justice has its limitations. The current unrest shows that. Justice is not and cannot be the only moral principle under which we live. It's necessary, but not sufficient. Justice is not the highest principle by which we live. Justice becomes cruel and vengeful if not tempered by Micah's second divine requirement, kindness or mercy. Just because I have a legal right to something does not mean that I should always exert that right. Lady justice blindness, not always a good thing. That's why judges and juries are often given discretionary power under the law, especially during sentencing. They can exhibit mercy, kindness. In Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice, Shylock goes to court to demand the payment of a debt, and the payment was a pound of flesh from his debtor, Antonio. 
Antonio's lover, Portia, Portia, masquerading as a lawyer, lectures Shylock, saying, The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as a gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesses him that gives and him that takes. According to Shakespeare, mercy trumps justice. Like justice, mercy works both ways. Except with mercy, instead of benefiting one party and punishing the other, as occurs with justice, mercy benefits both parties. It benefits the one who has been forgiven because they don't have to pay their debt. In a criminal case, although they are guilty, they're not punished. Mercy also benefits the merciful, though, the one who forgives the debt. The merciful receive the benefits of a lightness of heart and the intrinsic satisfaction in knowing that they have done the loving thing, not just the right thing. Acts of mercy are not fair by design. The person who acts mercifully voluntarily gives up their right to fairness or justice. Let me give you an example. A few years ago, during a violent windstorm, a giant limb fell from the ash tree in our backyard. Unfortunately, it fell on our neighbor's car parked in their driveway, nearly cut it in two. His new car was totaled. So I contacted my insurance agent, who told me that I wasn't liable for the damage because the limb overhung my neighbor's property. He was responsible. So his insurance covered the damage. Though although I had no legal liability, I voluntarily paid Matthew's $500 deductible, even though I realized that I was not required to do so. Call it an act of kindness or mercy or whatever, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Following the letter of the law would have undoubtedly damaged my relationship with my neighbor, which was really more important to me than the money. On top of that, I feel pretty good about what I did. I was blessed by mercy just as much as my neighbor was, maybe more so. The person who most exemplified kindness and mercy in his life was Jesus. There's a story of a woman who's violated the religious law by committing adultery. Now, the prescribed punishment was death by stoning. The laws in those days were harsh. When the authorities surround the woman to execute her sentence, Jesus intercedes for her, even though he knows that she's deserving of punishment under the laws of his own faith. And he says in words we have all probably used ourselves, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. The woman is spared her life because no one could claim to be without sin. In many Christian churches, the beginning of worship service begins with the singing of the Kyrie, in which we repeatedly sing the refrain, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Implicit in this song is the admission that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So we implore the Lord for mercy, since were he to apply the standards of justice alone, we would all be condemned. The Lord's Prayer shifts the standard of forgiveness to us when we say, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. One of the places where mercy and forgiveness is most important is in marriage. I would go as far as to say that marriage would be impossible if we were not able to forgive. In his famous letter to the Corinthians that's often quoted at weddings, the first thing that Paul says about love is that it's patient and kind. Love is merciful. Marriage is doomed when we seek to find out who is right instead of doing what is kind. We can easily win an argument and lose a marriage. Our justice system needs to maintain order and protect us from violence and destruction. The violence and destruction we're seeing in our streets today. Laws must be enforced on our streets at the same time as human rights are respected. But no amount of police or military force will ever bring peace. Only a commitment to kindness and mercy on behalf of all of us can ever do that. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, only love can drive out hate. When we get fixated in our call for law and order, we need a change of heart. Walk humbly with your God. For those of us old enough to remember, there was a humorous Mac Davis song about humility that carries a lot of truth. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a hell of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. It is hard to be humble, but we don't need to look very far for good example. Jesus was the personification of humility. Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is described in the words of the prophet Zechariah. Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. And Jesus was constantly encouraging others and his disciples not to seek glory. He told them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. There's a story of how Jesus bowed down while they were at the Passover meal and washed his disciples' road-dirty feet. We live in a culture where humility is valued little, if at all. Think about how much of our attention is given to celebrities who seek the limelight, who live for adoration. Many of today's celebrities and idols have not really accomplished anything other than shameless self-promotion. This quest for celebrity extends to pro-athletes, politicians, all the rich and famous. They seek to be first and fear being last or even second. 
Not only celebrities lack humility. The easy access to information through the internet and social media has made experts out of all of us. Every day I get posts from people that I love and respect, expounding upon topics from global warming to how to end the COVID pandemic to why America is or isn't racist and how to solve our economic woes. Now, we all have the right to state our opinions, but humility helps us to see that seldom are we the final authority on just about anything. Advancements in science, for example, is based on the idea that we must constantly struggle to understand the universe whose secrets are so vast that we'll never understand them. There are hundreds of billions of stars in our galaxy and hundreds of billions of galaxies in our universe. Considering that the stars are hundreds of millions of light years apart, the scale of the universe is unfathomable by the human mind. Now, if that isn't humbling, I don't know what is. It makes me feel pretty small. But humility is the beginning of wisdom. What makes humility so hard for us to swallow is that it implies dependence. Unless I'm the smartest guy in the room, which to this point I've never experienced, I have to rely on others who are more experienced and more intelligent than I am. Micah's walk humbly with your God is a description of our attitude toward God. Instead of relying on our own abilities and power, even the power of science, we rely on God's power. Only in putting God first will we be able to live with justice and mercy. The change of heart that we need is to redirect our lives in the direction of God, the source of all things. What does that God require of you? Do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with him. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you will return next week. In the meantime, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face look upon you with justice and mercy. May God's face shine upon you brightly and give you peace.